0: field and company.
1: The Lions bring seven right through the middle, off his back foot, for Adams down the sideline, and he threw it out of bounds. Devontae Adams had gotten beyond Kirby Joseph slid over in coverage,
0: and if Jimmy could somehow float that into the middle of the field, Devontae's going to have a 98-yard touchdown. Garoppolo into the deep territory, looking for Adams, and he missed him. He was all alone at the Lions 20. Garoppolo floored it out there,
2: and Adams just couldn't run underneath it. That was as open as Devontae has been all season. That will be as open as Devontae is going to be in his life.
0: From the Findlay Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company.
1: On ESPN Las Vegas. Man, oh man. Big link. Last week, I cannot remember what he said. He had something last week. Oh, Hunter Renfro just made an appearance and he was he was crowing and laughing and kind of sarcastic, but not really happy. He speaks his mind. Raiders were just dreadful. And the sad thing is, the defense had lots of good moments and kept him in the game and bent, but didn't break often. And that's what the offense does to him. This is a freaking mess. I'm not a guy who comes on the air and starts talking about people being fired midseason, but I don't blame Raider Nation and football analysts and folks from the outside watching this and, and wondering what the hell is going on with this offensive coach who had this great reputation and now everything has fallen apart. It's amazing. So we'll get to the Raiders throughout the show. Miles Simmons. National NFL Insider will be with us. It's Cofield and Company. Steve Cofield. Damon is here as the company. We got conversations later this hour with Darren Millard. Of course, from Scripps and Fox Sports Las Vegas and all over the Vegas Golden Knights. and They have set a standard that is virtually impossible to meet, but... Other organizations in town, like the Raiders, are not even close, so it makes it even worse when you see what VGK is doing. And again, I'm going to repeat what I talked about yesterday. Bold moves have to be made, and they have to be made, I believe, around the NFL if you don't have Patrick Mahomes. That's about it. Like I won't even go that that route with Joe Burrow, because you notice in the offseason the Bengals had to make some Radical, bold moves by improving the offensive line and probably overpaying Orlando Brown, sometimes you have to do it, unless you have Patrick Mahomes. So the Raiders don't have Patrick Mahomes. And the Raiders did nothing on trade deadline day today. So that's coming up in a couple minutes. First of all, I did not dress up. I will throw something on later when I'm giving out candy and i don't mean i'm doing the show naked and i will get clothes for the kids uh no i i have a, i have a bunch of wigs at home i'll put something together you have a batman mask on and the craziest thing that happened about 30 minutes ago when i got to the building i snuck around the corner cuz i was watching if i was being watched and i scared the hell out of the receptionist and then you came behind me and i was like no he should be scaring you but the uh, sneaking around the corner and kind of leering, kind of watching out for myself, I kind of creeped her out. So so my non-costume worked.
3: Yeah, it, but it was one of the kids, I think, you know, one of the kid interns that we it's had. one of the yeah. younger people. Yeah, not the, that, not the regular reception. That wasn't was, the intent, yeah. yeah I gotta, these I kids gotta, don't know what to expect when I gotta, come here. I got to
1: protect myself. I got to protect the show. <laughs> We're in uh, DEFCON 10 right now. So you won a lot of bets over the weekend. Yeah, I did. You won a bunch. But I'm starting to feel like your luck is turning a bit.
3: Why do you say that? What do you know I that? I feel know? I feel
1: like you're in jeopardy again. And it's for circumstances out of your control. And I'll just say without mentioning the scenario, I'm sorry. Cuz it, it it was my <laughs> fault. I'm just going to leave it at that, okay? It was my fault. I didn't think the harmless objects would Raise some ire, so I'll I'll leave it at that. We'll tell the story somewhere down the road. You were upset this morning about uh, Elon and Twitter circles. I don't even know what these are. What happened? Did it go away? Yeah, this was the last day of circles, Steve. You've never. What were the circles?
3: You know, just you know, was that your like
1: friend zone? Yeah. Yeah, I, I never I never understood what that was.
3: Yeah, you know, sometimes you would just want to get a tweet off. You know, people also on Instagram, or if you had the close friends you know, where just, hey, just I only want, you know, you 10, 20 people. To I don't see know you could do that. What's on my mind. Okay. Yeah. So just Elon, he's running the platform. Next thing that's going to be to go are spaces. And once spaces are gone, like they did so much to try to make Twitter fun and friendly. And I think Elon really just said, I don't know. As Adam Hill once said, I think that he bought it and he's trying to tank it. He wants the app to fail.
1: Um, it's weird because I told you guys yesterday that I had signed up for um, verification, which Humble Brag I'd had since 2011, and I thought the two benefits were put up longer videos, uh, three benefits, edit and spell check. Of course, I put up a incorrect word today. I never spell checked it back later. Um, what was the third thing? I can't remember the other benefit. There was something else.
3: Should edit? Said.
1: It was put up longer videos, edits, and there was something else. Well, it started out about four months ago as an eight dollar subscription. I think it's sixteen now. So we, they've probably had success in getting people, and they're like, "You know what? You are loyal. You signed on. Let's double the price." Like it does look like everything they do is counterintuitive, but you know what? I'm not the billionaire, so maybe this is gonna work out for them. But I'm sorry about your Twitter Spaces.
3: But he, I don't. That's the thing with Elon, where. What would an idiot do? It seems like that's how he makes all of his choices. Or well, I'm sure he's smart. I'm sure he figured out how to get those electric cars running and good on them. But when it comes to actually running this business, what would an idiot do? And he does the exact thing the idiot would do.
1: Maybe you guys are right. Maybe he's trying to drive it out of business, and we'll find out the whole the whole work that's been going on for two years. I don't know. I still use it. I like it. A lot of the functionality that I liked. Has been taken away, and I'm paying, which I, I don't get. But that's that is kind of it's kind of current day America, isn't it? In a lot of ways, like a lot of the stuff we like to do, the service or the product goes down, and they raise the price. And you're like, "What are they going to do? Stop using us?" I guess you're right. You got us, right? Yeah,
3: that's exactly.
1: Think what, about how right. many teams run this way. Think about how many organizations in sports run this way. Our product is getting worse. We look inept. You're not enjoying yourself. Like, there's, I'm trying to think of the – it's probably an NFL commercial, uh, you know, promotional commercial. And uh, is it the one where the guy forgets the sausage? I watch commercials too much. (laughs) There's an old guy, a bald guy, who gets out of the car and he's like, oh, my God, I forgot the sausage.
3: An NFL commercial? Yeah,
1: because he's getting ready for a party. And then they just show all these great parties with people. And I think to myself, I'm like, our house is never a party. And I'm not the angry one watching the NFL. It's the S.O. It's his significant other. Every week with her with the Chargers, she's just melancholy. And then there was a a little bit of happiness this Sunday. But I watched that commercial, and I'm like, why am I doing this? Especially in my case. I root for an inept organization.
3: They won't do what they're supposed to do. And they're like, keep on coming, dummy, because we know you will. Uh, Steve, I think you may be mistaken here. You're rooting for a team that's above 500. That's hey, kind Steve, of
1: that's kind of amazing, isn't it? It's talk- all
3: about wins and losses, and uh, they seem to be getting uh, more wins than losses.
1: Talk about a work. Okay, uh, over the years, have the Clippers not been that organization? I feel like they're not now, but there are a lot of Clippers fans and NBA fans who are like, why did you just do what you did with Harden? Do you like the deal?
3: I like the deal for the Clippers, yes. Because I feel, I don't know how many first round picks they gave over, but they're obviously going to be later in the round. I think they got over a little bit. Who did they give up that was of, of consequence to their rotation? And you get James Harden. He gets to go where he wanted to go from the beginning. Daryl Morey, I think that he's starting to get exposed, not as a fraud, but, hey, you're not the smartest guy in the room anymore. You never won a championship. I, I don't know. You know, he was Dork Elvis, you know, for all the praise that he got over at, you know, the Dork Con that they do. He was the guy.
1: Dork Dork Con? <laughs>
3: Sloan and As you're wearing a
1: Batman mask today, dork con. Yes,
3: I'm a real. guy. I, I think
1: fans. James Harden played this perfectly, and Daryl Morey got backed into a corner, and now they're now it's go time. Harden sat out; that made it easy for him. He came back. He's like, I want to play. They realize they can't bring him back, and the Clippers, dare I say, played it smart. Screw the picks. All these people start tracking picks. The picks don't matter. Unless you're going to be a top or a bottom seven team, the Clippers have to play for now. Bomber's spending all this money. He's got a new arena coming up. They need star power. It's time for them to actually break through and make a Western Conference final or make the finals. Now, I don't know how Harden's going to work. I don't know. But he was a good player last year in spite of all the drama. And now the Sixers have basically turned what? Ben Simmons, who was. Ballyhooed his first two years and then just fell apart mentally and on the floor. Ben Simmons and Harden into a lot of picks and Marcus Morris and Nick Batum, who's 50. See Harden played it right. The Clippers played it right. And Daryl Morey's like, I'm just going to cut my losses. Get out from under this. I'm out. Can't
3: do anything. He beat us. But Daryl Morey's got to be a little mad on the personal level of, I know that he didn't make James Harden, but I'm sure there's a part of his ego that thinks He made James Harden. I created you. Going
1: going back to the Rockets.
3: I'm the one who believed in you when no one else did. And this is how you repay me.
1: In a way. I would be stewing. I'm sure. Well, you, you find out about the true colors of people along the way, right? And James Harden is a really weird guy, and he's hard to work with, and he can be brilliant, but from a motivational standpoint, I don't know what motivates him. I think he changes his mind every couple of years. And then how do you build an organization around someone like that? Right. By the way, the Rockets. Rockets already had the Harden experience this time around. They're like, no, we're trying to build a a good young core. We can't have you around. We can't have a you know a Harden celebration tour the next two years. We don't want to be part of that. So they were smart. Clippers have high profile players. You assume they can blend together. I'm sure they ran it by Kawhi. I'm sure they ran it by Paul George. I would think they should run it by Westbrook since they've he's had the Harden experience already. But Here's the thing, they're trying. They're making bold moves. And today and yesterday, the Raiders did nothing. Meanwhile, their old Bay Area rival, who continues to make bold moves in the NFL, the Niners, they go out and get a guy who's not exactly on his game now because he's been hurt, but Chase Young is going cross-country to be on the other side of the line from Nick Bosa, that's a winning move, Harden to the Clippers. I think that's a winning move, and then you've got organizations like my Jets, who are just going to trudge through the season with a third-string quarterback, and our Raiders locally, who did nothing. Super disappointing, especially on the heels of that effort last night. Nothing right now is working for them at quarterback.
3: Mm-hmm. I don't know. They ain't my job
0: now. Back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio
3: on ESPN Las Vegas. Who was that? That was Josh Jacobs. When asked about, you know, maybe the offense getting the spark. Mm-hmm, that ain't my job. Yep. Uh, that Those words right
1: there are the words of a broken organization. And I don't blame... Josh Jacobs for saying it because he's probably heard it from others. And if you work in a place where they say it's not my job, your workplace sucks. It yeah. just does because you, you can't you can't work at a spot or play on a basketball team or play football. Everything is intertwined. Like people can believe they're on islands and they can just do the job on their own. Um, hell, even. You think about it, salespeople, right? That's a, an auto dealership. You might win out on the front end and be able to sell a car on your own, but you really can't because you still have to go to the desk a bunch of times. And then to be able to use that person you sold to as a future to leads, that person has to be satisfied with the car, the dealership, service, Right? They could spoil the whole thing for you going out, and you might get paid on the front end, but long term business is not going to be there. And it's the same thing in football. Like Josh Jacobs can break off some runs, you know, make some great moves, but if the offensive line isn't consistently there, he's screwed. If Josh McDaniels and Mick Lombardi aren't running the offense the right way, it's eventually going to grind to a halt. Um, I brought up last week. The Raiders offensive line if you look at PFF as individuals and and a lot, of, you know, a lot of the grade is you know teamwork as well, but as individuals, they're not creating out horribly. Like Van Roten had a good game last night. But when you watch the run game for the Raiders, it's not great. Last night it was a little better. The pass protection was unbelievably bad. Um again, it's not my job to create a spark, in a way, he's right. But he is the second best or best offensive player they have. But the it's not my job. only lasts so long because if Jimmy Garoppolo can't push the ball down the field, then it doesn't matter what Jacobs does or what his offensive line does because there's nine guys in the box. So I hate to hear that from Josh Jacobs because I think he's a, a really good guy and a team guy and not a guy who will give up, but it sounds like he's starting to give up. And Devontae Adams is beyond frustrated. He said it. He doesn't want to talk anymore because – People, well, He knows people are listening to him to see any sort of sign of frustration. I don't blame him. That's a terrible culture to work around. And now it's on MD, uh, Mark Davis on MD, to figure out what's going on and decide if you know the ultimate has to happen and these guys have to go in terms of the leadership. By the way, I didn't bring up UNLV football from the past. There is a reason that UNLV football consistently hasn't been that good because somewhere from the top down, to win at football at the university level, there's got to be cooperation at all levels. You can have a great coach who can flop if he doesn't have the AD support, if the AD and the marketing department don't do their job nowadays, if there's not enough fundraising or good relationships with boosters and potential clients with NIL – um, the president at the top of the university, they can F everything up. If the academic side wants to throw a wrench into things, they can screw it up. And right now UNLV is in a nice sweet spot here. Because Barry Odom is kicking ass, and I don't know if he takes names, but he's doing a really good job. He's six and two. And the cool thing is it's starting to bring out some of the alums, you know, some of the famous alums. And UNLV football doesn't have, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of legends, but it's good to see some of the known people around. and Come on, when I was on the sidelines covering the game at Fresno State, I look over, I'm like, oh, who's, who's that big fella? Icky Woods. He's a Fresno area guy, so he was on the sidelines, and he's a gigantic dude, and I spent a little weight. But you, you look at him, you're like, my God, that was a running back. That's why he was so good. He was just gargantuan. But he was hanging out. We show up on Monday for sort of post-practice, the press conference, and who comes sauntering into the room? Former ESPNer. Sports Center legend, also a backup quarterback for the Rebels, Kenny Maine. So he did a kind of a faux press conference, told a couple of jokes, asked a couple of questions of Barry Odom. So I grabbed him right after for an exclusive with Kenny Maine, and uh, we started off the conversation. We got to a lot of UNLV football, but started off the conversation uh, with a question: Hey, you know you're in Vegas. What are you doing here? I don't think you're just here for UNLV football, right?
2: Yeah, I was coming to town for a couple little business meetings. And invited to come on out to football, which was an easy yes. And it was the first time I met Coach. I've been around the facility several times in the last number of years. But I'm impressed. Like, it's been fun watching. I haven't been able to physically be at a game, but I've paid attention, you know, across the country. Stayed up late for the uh, loss the other night, which was tough. But it, they played well. Like, I think he said it really well in the press conference, kind of like the old, you know, learning from your mistakes, right? Like, who who thought they'd be 6-2 and two at this point? Right. Um, I would have taken it, you know, (laughs) and we got a bunch of games left. They could be who knows what, right? And already bowl eligible. So the season's already a success no matter what happens the rest of the way, but I think there's still good things to happen. Can you, I mean, you've talked, you
1: played football, you've talked to a lot of coaches. Can you tell who the quality guys are, who the good football coaches are versus the guys who are kind of BS artists? I think so. I mean, I think you really need to play under them
2: to really understand that more than just kind of lurk around for a minute, but no, he's got that good energy and he also is humble about it. Like He was asking me advice, and I was like, I don't think you need any from me. Like, I think you're already already going in the right direction. And the fact that the team is is already kind of out of the gate in its very first year in a really good way, that's an advertisement itself to the next batch of kids, and you keep on, like, you know, loading up, right? They have 50-odd new players. They all came together. They look like they've been playing together longer than that. So that's a hard thing to do, to take a bunch of new people and blend them in to believe in this new thing, and somehow he
1: pulled it off. Look at Deion Sanders, right? He cleaned yeah. house and it worked early, but yeah. you know, maybe it's not working so well right now. Uh, over the last 30 years, when you look at the program, what were the things that were kind of missing? Because I always say, you know, winning in football, you got to kind of win from the top down. But what do you see from a distance where you're like, man, they're just not hitting on these points? Yeah, it was strange because there'd be like a year of
2: success and then we go back. It was the old, you know, take a step backward, take a step you know, forward, back and forth. Um, I think some of us, sadly we kind of rationalized like yeah we're a basketball and baseball school we still have really good athletes in football but it was always like a notch below and then once you get a season like this people start coming vegas is such an attractive place for a bunch of reasons the school has upgraded itself through the years as well it's so essential like in the hotel business the sciences hopefully the broadcasting which i was a part of has elevated itself through the years i've been around there a little bit so UNLV, the institution, is kind of attracted by itself. The
1: city's attractive, eh. and it all kind of blends together. Kenny Mains with us uh, right here on ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM, Cofield and Company. So what's it like for alums? that You, you now have something to be proud of. You want to be around the program. Uh, the last game I saw Aki like, e. Woods out there, a couple games back in Michigan, Anderson Hunt was hanging out. I think that's neat. Absolutely.
2: No, I've seen the same thing, some of the pictures after the games about who showed up that day. I know Randall, Sam King, uh, my old teammate, you know, has been around a bit. But it just makes you proud to be a social. It's the same thing like a pro team, whatever city you're from, when they're having success. it bring, It's cliche, but it really brings everybody together. And I think just this early success of this football season alone has sort of re-energized. The old guys like me are like, hey, I'm, I'm really – not that I wasn't proud before, but, you know – it's, it's common that you bandwagon a little bit when, when things are going right. But what's wrong with that? We're going to get more good players coming in and more alums who are going to get excited and contribute and, and just showing up is, is the first step. Let's go back to the beginning of the conversation. What are you working on right now? I know you're always involved with something. Uh, I have a movie called Wiffle Ball. It's a short film. I like to say a movie because it sounds cooler. But eh. So long, long time ago, I threw wiffle balls with Ken Griffey Jr. when he was a rookie on a speed pitch and in this kind of comedy documentary, we go back to find out the truth of what happened. Ken Burns is in it. We got the head of Wiffle Ball. We got a University of Washington professor analyzing the tape. Oh wow! Uh, we, we're out to a whole bunch of film festivals, and we're hoping eventually. Right now, there's a screen actor strike, so I can't really pitch it anywhere. But hopefully, we take it to somebody who wants to actually get behind it and disseminate it, and maybe then I get to make a second and a third and a fourth. fourth. Uh, what else am I working on? I got another show pitch that I can't really talk about. Yeah. Uh, again, the SAG strike is the problem with that. Uh, and I'm always sticking my name out there to do other things. Sure. Uh, we always close out the
1: conversation talking about your health, right? How's, how, how's the wheel? How's the ankle? I always say knee and then you correct me. I knew yes. I knew this time it was ankle. but I
2: think you saw me wearing the brace and thought it was for my knee, but it's really for my ankle. So um, my ankle not well, but I'm, you know, others have suffered worse, right? Yeah. So I have this crazy device called an Exosim. This guy in Gig Harbor, Washington makes them. And Gretchen, my wife, and I started a foundation where we give those to veterans. I shouldn't say give. They've earned them. Uh, veterans who are in similar situations where their ankle's not working very well, but you stick this thing on, and it's like a miracle. You know, it's like those when you fall asleep on the couch and there's the copper thing. For yeah. you. It's like that, except it actually works. No offense to the copper product. Um, but I'm really proud that we've helped almost 50 veterans in four years, five years. Um, so we're going to continue doing that. Mike Penix, the Washington quarterback, was uh, – uh, give us some time, and, and through touchdown passes to people, nice. we raise money to buy two new veterans a brace. Um, so we're, we're making progress, and I use mine every time. I'm going to play golf tomorrow. I'm going to stick it on. I'm going to have no pain. So it's a pretty cool thing, and it's, it's kind of a miracle for anybody who puts it on.
1: There he is, Kenny Mayne, former UNLV quarterback, a longtime star on ESPN, was at practice and the press conference on Monday. A lot of nice things to say about Barry Odom, and that's been the case, actually. There's been more and more UNLV folks, popping up at practice, you know, winning breeds uh, more fanitude, right? Uh, alums want to be around when things are going well. I think uh, former UNLV coach Jeff Horton was around last week. I had heard that he was kind of blown away by the facilities. Things were a little different uh, some 20 and 30 years ago. Uh, we got some good tickets to give away here. And by the way, we'll um, should I put should we have the Vast Sound crew put the Kenny Man interview up on the web, or do we have to worry about Brett Favre now going after him for the copper comment?
3: He has been suing people. He has been suing
1: a lot of people. but We'll, we'll have get that. dismissed a couple months later. We'll, we'll have that up on the web. We'll uh, we'll text Kenny Man and be like, just be careful, man. No more comments about uh, – he didn't say Brett Favre directly. Uh, but we got some cool tickets here for basketball. Four-game series, uh, Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame series at T-Mobile. That's on Monday. Four marquee matchups, two women's games. One of them includes LSU and Kim Mulkey and arguably the greatest on paper women's basketball team in the history of the sport. USC men are going to be taking on Kansas State. Oregon and Georgia are going at it. So we've got tickets right now. There are sessions at 11 a.m. and at 4.30. You can grab your tickets at T-Mobile next Monday for all this basketball, AXS.com. But DeMond's going to hook you up. Hall of Fame series, HOFseries.com. Call or 7 right now, 364-1100. Thanks again to uh, Kenny Maine for popping on. Thanks to our winner who just got the basketball tickets for Monday. series.com is where you can get more information and the tickets. AXS.com is where you get the tickets.
3: Damon, who was the winner? Uh, Mark, and he also asked about the car, so thank you for being concerned, yeah. Mark.
1: People are listening, and they actually <laughs> care about you. That's good. That's good. He's got the car back for now until he goes on another crazy gambling run and then may not be able to pay the payments for the next couple of months, so save something. Save something. Live free, have fun, but Put, like, two payments away. Two? That's
3: pushing it, Steve. You know how expensive these iPhones are these days? (laughs) Phone bill's getting up there, too.
1: So, there's (laughs) an interesting conversation. We just talked to Kenny Main, and he's a former uh, UNLV quarterback. And things have changed, obviously, with recruiting now. And UNLV is – and this is no knock on Kenny, but UNLV is trying to recruit at a much higher level, and they're trying to offer three and four stars and trying to offer guys who are um, offered by at least mid-level schools – in Power Five, and right now they've got a great success story with Jaden Maiava, who passed up a, a couple of Power Five offers a few years ago. So they had a commit from a, a kid who's around uh, six foot one ninety five, Carson Gordon, which intrigued me because all their quarterbacks right now are pretty big. Lucas Lenoff, one of the uh, the top four quarterbacks, is a little bit smaller, but he's not tiny. And I've said all along, I, I figure Demon with this go go offense, they're going to want someone who's kind of mid sized but can also really run the RPO. And that's optimal for this offense. So they got a commit from Carson Gordon, a kid out of Texas. Like I said, six foot, six one, maybe 190, 195. He had been offered, I think, by Houston Christian, Air Force, and Army. So he's clearly a guy who's got legs. UNLV grabbed him early. They got a commit. Well, yesterday he announced that he was decommitting, which is kind of crazy because it can't be based on what he's seen from UNLV, right? They're six and two. I mean, unless. I would hope this would not be a fear. They're like, wow, Jaden Mayev is only a redshirt freshman. When am I going to play? No college kid should think that way because you never know what's in front of you when you land. Now, I do think the situation at Texas is kind of crazy with Quinn Ewers and Malik Murphy and Arch Manning. That's not the case here. So it looks like UCLA is on the kid. And then he announced today he got an offer from Boston College. So. I guess, on one hand, give credit to UNLV for being on a kid and getting a commit from a kid who's clearly going to get Power 5 offers. I would never say never with this staff when a kid decommits because they actually they lost an offensive lineman over the summer to Navy, and the kid actually just reneged on the commit to Navy about a month ago, and he's committed a big lineman to UNLV. So this is a big game. This is what happens. I will say – for UNLV fans who are mad that this kid decommitted, are we serious? What's the Boston re- College you ever done, Steve? I mean, is this the rep you want to have? Well, I would say there's UCLA has got a couple of things. Um, one, I would be careful going to UCLA to make sure you're going to play. But if you want to go to the highest level, are we going to sit here and say that a kid passing on UNLV is a violation of trust and what a horrible dude? When he's got an offer from UCLA, let's be realistic. You okay? said that me. Yeah. I mean, you'd like to win those battles, but sometimes you're not going to beat out UCLA. Um, the other thing I'm getting in response is we don't need a quarterback in the 2024 class. Because I, when I put it out, I said, okay, they'll be back on the market for at least one quarterback, if not two, in the 2024 class. And a lot of people are like, we don't need one. We've got my AVA. You need a quarterback in every class. That's just the way it goes. You have no idea what's going to happen in the future. The way NIL works, I don't know if someone's going to come down the pike with a deal for 500 k for Maiava. So you always need to be ready. What if he gets hurt? Right? What if the guys who are behind him, what if they leave? You always have to be taking quarterbacks all the freaking time because you never know what that room is going to look like. There ain't one thing in my life that i ever failed at, Never.
2: Right?
3: I wanted to get an education. I got two degrees. I wanted to be the first college of my graduate in my family. I did it. I wanted to play football in Alabama. I earned the
2: scholarship. That was three years. Worked my ass off. Won a national championship. I wanted to get into coaching. I worked my way to be a head coach. And when I got this job, I'm sure you didn't want me to get this job, right? think years later, I'm still
0: here. And I'm saying, I'm so sure what they are. I stand on Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio
1: on ESPN Las Vegas. That was Dabo Sweeney, a five-minute and 17-second rant on his coach's show because Tyler in Spartanburg called him up and kind of bitched him out for what he's making and the results. That is epic stuff. Damon, can you take the floor here for a second as we set up Darren Millard, of course, from VGK hockey fame and NHL hockey fame and the chirp. I'm going to get into the chirp podcast in a second. Oh, nice. Um, I'm assuming that you're upset about this. Come on, or you thought that was foolish.
3: No, I loved it. Oh, you did. I loved that Dabo was. He was standing on business, as the kids say. Tyler defending his <laughs> record. He says, "I may have been a part of some failures, but I've never been a failure. I wanted to graduate from college. I did. I wanted to get a wife. I did that. I wanted to have children. I've done that as well, Tyler. I stand on my record." He was defending himself. You know, Tyler? I
0: feel bad because I couldn't have kids. We adopted our children, so now he's calling me out. Yep. He just insulted he did. all the parents who have adopted. He just He just called me out. Did he ever say why his name's Dabble?
3: He didn't address that part. Okay.
0: That's what I would – if I called his
1: coach's show, that's what I would ask. What do you think of a coach going off for five minutes because a fan got into him?
0: I thought it was good in the sense that he kept – Referring to the actual caller. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't lose touch with, with the name. Right, But being the elitist, I, I, I'm i winning championships. I have been to college. I led her for three years. It was basically talking down to what have you ever done? Right. I, I, you, you don't necessarily come out on top when you start insulting the people that fill the seats. Yep. And there was a lot of I don't care what you think. Like, yeah. well, you might want
1: to. He's helping pay it, your $9 did million salary. Like it sound like
0: he... he Considered what the guy thought, though, like he was. Yeah, yeah. He was I thinking, don't care, but here's five minutes. Yeah, and uh, he doesn't have a thick skin. I'm not sure how he led her for three years with that thin of uh, skin and ability to take criticism. I don't think Dabo reads his his tweets. I don't think he reads that if he's responding to a caller, maybe or X whatever it is. I thought it was good and bad, so
1: I thought it was a little mature, a little childish. Um, he is thin-skinned. Like You're making a lot of money. This is what comes with the territory.
0: And you agreed tough, to tough do this now. show right. because you're getting extra jing for it. Huh? So you're going to get those types of calls every uh, once in a while. You have one bad year, or one suspect year, and this is what happens? That is a fragile ego. But he's no different than a lot
1: of coaches who are very thin-skinned, who can't take criticism— Um, can they espouse messages of discipline and accountability, but then they lose their discipline and act like they're not accountable?
0: Now, I will say this. Nobody wants to be criticized. Whether you're working over at Boot Barn, whether you're working at the PGA Superstore, whether you're a broadcaster, whether you're a coach or a player, nobody wants to be told that they're not. But there's a, doing a way to handle a great it. Job.
1: You you don't get criticism as a broadcaster on social media. I get criticism all the time. Okay. At home, Do you punch down? Work? I'm gonna I'm gonna say punch down. I, I always tell blame, people.
0: I don't, blame Gary. Don't. Yeah, it is his fault. <laughs> yeah. Don't
1: punch down. They, these are our listeners and consumers and viewers. Mm-hmm. But you still don't need to get involved and and punch down. And I also say that about us with athletes and coaches. Don't punch mm-hmm. down at us. No. It's it's a freaking waste of time. You're never going to beat us. It's not going to happen. You're never I get I don't get much, but I'll get a little bit of criticism from certain fans and I think about how I'd answer them I'm like, that answer is not going to be accepted. No. So I'm just going to go in
0: circles with the person and guess what that person wants for you to go in circles with. Great. I I take on the persona on our radio show of an arrogant jerk. Mm-hmm. That's not me, but you're, I love you're good I love at it. playing that role. Yeah, you're good I, at it. Yeah, thank you. I it's it's an act. I enjoy it. I get certain interactions from people, and I just ignore it. Because, one, I know it's not me, and two, they're just trying to goad me into something.
3: Mm -hmm. Darren, I've got to ask, part of that Dabo clip was he was saying the expectation has now outgrown the appreciation, and that makes me think about VGK a little bit, where now the expectation is so high. Do you ever see it getting to the point, because I think that they've already reached that point, where now the fan appreciation might not be as high because it's expected that we better be at least going to the cup every year.
0: I'll give you a hot take on this. I thought it reached that point a couple of years ago, and I think it's much better now. When they were knocking on the door after going to the final the first year and then a couple of conference or third-round appearances and, and great seasons, especially into the bubble, <laughs> I thought there was uh, not a, a sense of entitlement like we have to win, we we, we are challenging, we've got this great team, uh, or being spoiled. But it was bordering on that temperature, yeah. and now I think it's backed off to just having fun. now. We haven't seen them go through a tough stretch yet this season off the defense of their title. But I, I, my feeling is that the the reaction from the crowd is very appreciative of what happened compared to a couple of years ago when they expected it to happen then instead of grinding it out.
1: Well, I feel like with the start, we're getting spoiled again. I mean, this is nuts. 9 19 of 20 points to open the season
0: from a Stanley Cup defender. Okay, so what? the best ten game start in NHL history is ten and zero, done twice by the Toronto Maple Leafs in the mid nineties and the two thousand six two thousand seven Buffalo Sabers. That's the best start. They're one point off that a overtime loss to Chicago, which you could certainly paint as a winnable game they are that close to the best 10 game start ever and they're already it's the best 10 game start by a defending stanley cup champion ahead of the oilers the the penguins and et cetera. It, it's remarkable what they've done and you've watched a couple of the games they're not hitting on all strides yet. They they are certainly a team that's still building. They've been great against Dallas. They were good against Winnipeg, certainly the first two periods of that game. Uh, I thought Los Angeles on the weekend, they got dialed in after a bit of a slow start. Their best games have been against the good teams. Their their struggles have been against the, the clubs that are rebuilding or turning their, their franchises around, trying to become relevant again. And I understand that. They— They're coming from a Stanley Cup final where all the uh, chips were on the table. And trying to get up for a Montreal game on a Monday or a Chicago game, uh, even with Connor Bedard, that's a little tough. Mm -hmm. The the fact that they've got nine wins and an overtime loss out of this is one of the most impressive performances I've seen in the NHL.
1: Well, a game like last night, like you said, against a lesser opponent when you don't play well. I mean, the second and third periods they got outshot – 27-7, Twenty-seven yeah. to seven. When you win games like that, then you are headed towards one hundred and five points. Plus. I don't know.
0: I don't know how they're doing it. To be honest, what, their goaltending has been the best part of their game. One guy that's trying to prove that he deserves the new contract was uh, is trying to prove that he was as is as good as he was in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and another guy coming off injury who was an all star. They both have things to to prove, and they haven't blinked. Those, those two goaltenders, they've, they've worked through some defensive injuries uh, on the blue line. Uh, I think that's uh, caused a, a bit of a hiccup, and they're, they're looking for some consistency up front. But Eichel's not on on all cylinders yet. Marshall's not on all cylinders. Stone's not uh, grooving yet. And they're still finding ways to, to put the puck in the net in a timely fashion. Their leading scorer after 10 games, goal scorer, has three goals like that, that's a that's a minuscule number <laughs> yeah. for a team that's 9011 if you if your leading goal scorer has 3 goals and you have 2 wins in 10 games i get that but you're one and your leading goal scorer has 3 goals now, there's 6 of those guys so there's there's a lot of goals there yeah. but it it's they're not being even close to being carried by any of their big boys yet there's not
1: a lot to criticize from personnel moves over the years What if I tried to get in on VGK for Suzuki, for Pacioretty? What would Suzuki have been here? But that may have changed what they look like in terms of other moves they made, right? Yeah. He he is a good player, and he has gotten quite a bit when they go head-to-head.
0: I I would counter that with cop and six. Like That will always trump anybody that criticizes that move, even in five years when Suzuki might be – Challenging for an individual award. It's cup and six. And you can't take away that cup and six, and you can't disregard it in five years because you made that move. Now, Pacioretty didn't win the cup, but Pacioretty turned into extending a veteran player, and then Pacioretty and veteran player turns into re-signing Ivan Barbashev. So the trickle-down from that trade really now is Suzuki for Ivan Barbashev, who. Is an integral part of your, your forward core.
3: Yeah, so I've got to ask when you mention, you know, maybe a trader here, too, or two are there, but you mentioned Logan Thompson, Pavel Dorfiev, the AHL team, you know, the Silver yeah. Knights. How has that God development her. been where it's like they can still bring up the guys in development and maybe not to have and to rely on big name free agents? Well,
0: you're starting to see drafted and developed players. Logan Thompson's not a drafted player, but he's a developed player. Uh, Paul Cotter is a drafted and developed player. Caden Korzak is a drafted and developed player. Uh, Braden Pahal's a, a drafted and developed player. You're, you're seeing Pavel Dorofiev, drafted and developed player. In, in the first four years, you didn't see that because they built through the expansion draft and then either traded or signed free agents. You had to—and and traded away some of their first-round picks— to bring in other big names. You're starting now to see the maturity uh, of a franchise into year seven with some of these drafted and developed players. And I think Korzak and Cotter and Dorofiev and Pahal, with the next group being Lucas Cormier, uh, uh, Brennan Brisson uh, coming behind them, you'll see a nice mix in three years where it'll be 50-50, drafted and developed and, and free agents. Farrah Millard is up on Cofield and Company.
1: VGK Insider Show is coming up in less than 10 minutes. I watched Butchie today. Another good press conference. I heard you in there. Uh, do you more often have the blue brain? Butchie or Butchie? Butchie. Butchie. Okay. Butchie. Not, not right. Butchie like uh, Butchie I thought Butchie. That's who
0: I thought you were talking I'm Like Butcher Gross did a press conference Do then? you Do you have
1: the blue brain more often or the red brain?
0: Oh, it uh, it depends. Uh, at home, I'm a red brain. Yeah. Uh, I For some reason, I don't have the patience with when my kids do stuff because I I'm just I'm not built that way and they take uh, they, the dad's got the bad temper. but around work I really try to work with the blue brain and and thoughtfully work through things. Now when I was younger, I'm not gonna lie. when I was 25 getting into television more network television uh, through 40 yeah. I was red brain I was I was a jerk. To work with, I was the <laughs> ultimate like talent that was hot-headed and demanded excellence. I was not a fun person to work with with our crew. Yeah, part of that is maturity that uh, that you work through. Uh, I would say now at at work, I'm more fun, happy, blue brain Darren. That's good to hear. Yeah. Uh,
1: Bruce Cassidy also talked. We only have like a minute left oh. about Halloween. Are you a fan of neighborhood Halloween parties? He says he has I do. a good neighbor and he's going yeah. to go to a Halloween party.
0: Yeah, he's got the the kids' uh, Halloween party and the grown-up Halloween nice, party and it nice. all happens at one place. But he he didn't know when he left the rink today what he was going at as that's Halloween. That's crazy to me. Because his wife had ordered the costume. Yeah. Wow. That's that's a trusting trusting husband because I would need to know what I'm dressing up as. Um
1: I I'm going to miss out well, how about this one? We're going to a late party because the person got sick who was throwing the party last weekend. We're going to a Halloween party on 11-4.
0: Well, I don't mind sort that. Sort of. I, I'm
1: getting home at like I don't 11 mind o'clock that. at night.
0: I don't mind that. Okay. I think it's cool. Halloween can go like 10 days. Yeah. I, I, I think it's great. And it makes people look at you a little bit differently. Like right now, you see somebody over at 7-Eleven, a lot of costumes. Eh, it's just, I, don't, I don't even think twice. But, but in four days, I'd be like, what's going on
1: here? On the corner of Sahara and Paradise today, I saw like the fattest guy ever in a full Kobe Bryant uniform. And I was like, man, this guy's got a rough life. He doesn't realize how fat he is. I'm like, oh, it's Halloween!
0: No. It's Halloween! He's
1: wearing a full Kobe
0: uniform! Was it a fat suit? No, he was no. just really, really no. fat. Somebody dressed up last night as J.W. Aiken at the hockey game. Okay. He's the equipment manager that handed Mark <laughs> Stone the stick what? last year in the playoffs. That's and awesome. then Stone went down, set up Brett Howden, and, and they scored. J.W. somebody at the rink last night was dressed up as the VGK equipment manager. forgot to tell J.W. Super creative. All right, your
1: show's coming up in uh, less than five minutes. We're up against it. I appreciate it.
0: You guys have fun. I love hanging out with you.